How can you make a difference on this crazy planet? Listen to nature-inspired stories and interviews with environmental educators for some new ideas. Sustainable Living News writer, nature walker, and youth educator Wendy Natterney-Fashon hosts the Story Walking Radio Hour to talk about issues that matter and to introduce you to people who are coming up with creative, sensible solutions. Let's engage with Earth, with spirit, and with one another heart-to-heart to to solve problems and co-create more meaningful life stories. Tune in to Nature's Loving Vibes every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. here on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Welcome to the Story Walking Radio Hour. I'm your host, Wendy Nernifashan, here on the syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. For a full schedule of this inspiring Dream Vision 7 programming, go to DreamVision7, that's numeral 7, radio.com. You will find the Story Walking Radio Hour show listed under the Sustainable Living tab, or you can access it through my website at storywalking.com. Thank you to our sponsor, Natural Awakening, Greater Boston and Rhode Island Magazine which presents the latest news and information on natural wellness, creative expression, personal growth, and sustainable living. The current issue shines a spotlight on today's Story Walking Radio Hour guest, Rachel McIntosh, who recently established the Foundation for Bioethics in Technology. The Foundation for Bioethics in Technology, or bioethics.tech, T-E-C-H, is at the forefront of safeguarding Earth's natural biosphere while preserving humanity in the face of the ongoing synthetic biology revolution. Committed to integrating ethics and consent into the intersection of technology and organic life, the Foundation strives to enhance public awareness of potentially transformative technology. By translating complex scientific information into accessible language, Bioethics.tech facilitates open conversation and bridges the gap between academia and the public. Rachel McIntosh has a background in art and technology and over 15 years of experience leading conversations on the ethical implications of technological advancement. Having previously worked in the defense industry and contributed to the Rhode Island Geoengineering Study Commission, She brings great insight into this topic. Inspired by her work and life experiences, she authored the thought-provoking series of novels, Security Through Obscurity, which gives us a window into this obscure world and a glimpse into her own fictionalized story walk. This is my second interview with Rachel. She joined us for the August 2020 episode, What is Geoengineering? It seemed timely to invite her to return to answer the related question, what is bioethics? Actually, an even larger question, I think. Over the past 14 years, I've been cultivating the art of story walking, which centers around my interest in environmental issues and bioethics and strives to usher all of us forward through our storied lives by cultivating an empowering consciousness of our own personal divine guidance systems. I use the Story Walking Radio Hour to share my walking experiences 
and to introduce you to people I've met during my story journey. People who are walking similar paths, shining their light through the darkness, shedding light on the truth, revealing the need for change, and showing us what we can do to help recover our planet, our health, and our sovereignty. Before bringing Rachel into this conversation, however, I'm going to begin with a story as I generally do. I titled today's story, Overcoming Hard Times. Great authors from Dickens to Steinbeck have written stories about hard times. And it seems we all face hard times at some point or another in our lives. As human beings, we all have our stories of overcoming adversity. I'm the central character in my story, just as Rachel is the central character in her story, and as you are the central character in your own. So my story. My mother gave birth to three boys before I came along and before I joined her wild pack. Born a girl, I was named for the fictional character Wendy, who flies to Never Never Land, the island of adventure, to entertain Peter and the lost boys with her imaginative storytelling. The English name Wendy was derived from Welsh names beginning with the element Gwen, G-W-E-N, like Guinevere. Um, And I find this somewhat serendipitous in light of the fact that my mother is descended from a 16th century Welsh nobleman. The word Wend, W-E-N-D, found in the dictionary, means to travel, which is fitting for me because story walking is all about wending my way through life which suggests a winding pathway full of twists and turns. On the other hand, the word WEND, spelled with a capital W, refers to a Slavic race of people. My father's grandfather was a Slav who immigrated from Czechoslovakia to America in the late 1800s. He left his homeland with a couple of his brothers because it had become dominated by Germans who had seized control of businesses in his town, including his family's tailoring business. It's interesting, the term Slav means serf in German, and a serf is a slave, a person who is without freedom. So they came to this country to find, to reclaim their freedom. I was thinking deeply about my name and my character while walking my regular circuit along Cedar Avenue one morning. And along the way, I found a plastic grocery bag on the ground and used it to collect trash along the sidewalk. Cups, lids, straws. Then I picked up something really curious. A Starbucks iTunes Pick of the Week card featuring musician Jillian Welsh and her single Hard Times. Turning at the next corner and walking along Middle Road, I picked up a cigarette butt. You see, I'd never noticed a cigarette butt along this stretch of sidewalk before, or for that matter, anywhere on this walking circuit. Then I found two more cigarette butts, bits of plastic and a well-chewed pen. And upon arriving home, I settled down at my computer to Google Jillian Welsh together with Hard Times. My search led me to a folksy music video Presented with footage from the film Paper Moon, which is about a wayward wayward girl in the 1930s. And the song Hard Times itself has a haunting melody and poignant lyrics that conjure up images of the 1930s and the Great Depression. 
The lyrics tell the following story. I'll spare you my singing it, so we'll just go for the lyrics. There was a camp town man who used to plow and sing, and he loved that mule, and the mule loved him. When the day got long, as it does about now, I'd hear him singing to his mule cow, calling, come on, my sweet old girl, and I'd bet the whole damn world, and we're going to make it yet to the end of the road. The song concludes the story with these words. But the camp town man, he doesn't plow no more. I seen him walking down to the cigarette store. Guess he lost that knack and he forgot that song. Woke up one morning and the mule was gone. Now, five days before finding this pick of the week card on the sidewalk, five days before, I had attended a family reunion at my brother's cottage in Hampton, New Hampshire. And during our family gathering, 13 of us hiked Welsh Mountain. Campton and Camptown, Welsh Mountain and Jillian Welsh, were two of the synchronicities that caught my attention. The third coincidence was that the song told of a cigarette store, and I just picked up three cigarette butts from where I had never seen any before. It was almost spooky. I liked the song Hard Times for the tone of resilient rebellion in its willful refrain. Hard times ain't going to rule my mind no more. At the same time, however, I'm unsettled by a stanza in the middle of the song, and it goes like this. That it's a mean old world, heavy in need. That big machine is just a picking up speed. They were supping on tears. They were supping on wine. We all get to heaven in our own sweet time. I recognize that big machine. It refers to our ever-growing military-industrial technocratic society, which has displaced the small farmer and so many other people. Cigarettes were among the first products manufactured by that machinery. They came to the height of their popularity during the First and Second World War. Tobacco companies sent millions of packs of cigarettes to soldiers on the front lines, creating hundreds of thousands of faithful and addicted users. The tobacco industry was but one cog in the big machine that has been pumping out all kinds of new inventions with little regard for their effect on human health and on environmental health. And that machine just keeps picking up speed. In 1968, Philip Morris launched the first cigarette brand for women, Virginia Slim, with its catchy advertising slogan, You've come a long way, baby. Set off the women's lib movement to expand its market and turn the slim cigarette into a fashion statement. The ads juxtapose old-fashioned, repressed women smokers with vibrant, modern fashion models. And the company cast the brand into an image of allure and liberation while using smoke and mirrors to build an even greater consumer dependency. And... Despite growing evidence connecting tobacco smoke with serious lung disease and cancer, the industry's marketing push continued. Last year, the World Health Organization summed up the damage with this effort, reporting that on an annual basis, the tobacco industry cost the world more than 8 million human lives, 600 million trees, 200,000 hectares of land, 
22 billion tons of water, and 84 million tons of carbon dioxide. The majority of tobacco is grown in low- and middle-income countries where water and farmland are often desperately needed to produce food for the region. Instead, they're being used to grow deadly tobacco plants, while more and more land is being cleared of forests. Still, Big Tobacco has been determined to protect its market, and, well, we've come a long way, baby, since 1968, as other industries have adopted these marketing strategies and tactics. Big Ag, Big Soda, Big Pharma, Big Tech, Big Telecom, and Big Defense have all sought fit to create their own standards of ethics, their own, write their own rules, and ignore the harm of their products and activities, or ignore the harm their products and activities do to humans and to the environment. I know, I kind of brought us down a little bit here, so we're going to need to lift ourselves back up. So in response to this, um, you know, we're finding these organizations devoted to bioethics, and they are on the rise. That's the good news. And we've got Rachel McIntosh here today to tell us more about this. So, Rachel, so great, great to have you here. Welcome, welcome. Oh, thank you, Wendy. Thank you very, very much. That was a fascinating tale about walking through the streets and finding all these little things that brought you back in time and kind of putting the pieces yeah, together. Really that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a good story. Um, yeah, no, well, thank, thank you, you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, this well, uh, Foundation for Bioethics and Technology, I put it together back in 1922, excuse me, 2022. I was working at a defense contractor in 1998, and that's when I got kind of enmeshed into how these corporations work. I came from a background of art. I'm basically painting huge oil paintings, and I needed a temp job. So I took a temp job at this defense contractor, and by the time I was out of there, I was in charge of six divisions, marketing departments. And they're, a corporation is constantly, constantly focused on its stock price. So when you say, no, they're, they're doing whatever they want, they're doing what needs to happen so their stock price goes up. And that's the only thing a corporate person under the U.S. Constitution, a corporation is listed as a person. This corporate person, person has rights. And they have a right to, so long as they're not breaking the law, they have a right to keep doing their, their mission, and their mission is to alter stock prices for the benefit of the shareholders. So it seems antithetical, you know, because usually when somebody goes into business, it's because they're really good at making something, like your relatives who are, you know, sewing suits or clothes. They went into it because they're good at it. And, you know, these companies start off that way, but then when they become a corporation, which is ruled by the board of directors, the mission is to keep the stock prices at the best for the stock, the board, <laughs> the board, best for the board. Um, and none of those people are held personally responsible. So it's easy to make, you know, your, your ethics and morals kind of wiggle, wiggle around. And when you're in there and you see this money coming in, you're like, yeah, I'm doing the right thing because now you're, you feel like you're doing good. You got a good car. You got good clothes. You got a good house. You got, you're sending your kids to good schools. You're with good people. These people are obviously, and they're involved with politics for goodness sakes. It's, this, is, this is the American dream, right? 
So it's easy to say, easy in your mind to say this is all good, but maybe it's not. Right, right. So, so go ahead. Yeah. No, so I, yeah, I wanted to, just, before we go forward, just delve a little bit more into your own life experiences, as you were you know, mentioning before, and you know, what inspired you to write your security through, you know, because that did inspire you to write your security through obscurity. Yeah, yeah, it did. Security Boy, that's a mouthful to say. <laughs> right, security through absurdity, sub- absurdity, because... Absurdity, um, yeah. The, yeah, obs- security through obscurity is um, an actual term used to, by people that code computers. It's for privacy. When you're, tr- you know, when you're trying to log in or you're trying to do anything online, security through obscurity to make things look obscure. But this is a play on that. It's security through abs- absurdity. Um, ah. When I was working <laughs> at this office, coming from my art background, everything looked literally absurd to me. It appeared absurd because people were doing things that didn't seem what a normal person who wasn't aware of this corporate sort of background sort of stuff, you know, why would somebody want to lie? Because you always think people are doing things for the benefit of just because they're internally good people. But like I just told you, when it starts getting money involved at that level, that internally good compass starts wiggling around in people. And I was watching this happen. And so the books themselves are... um, they're kind of, the, at least the first three are kind of funny. It makes me think of the show The Office because the main character really doesn't get why these people are doing these crazy things. And it is, you'll flip through it. And the first book uh, happens during 9-11 when, you know, the Twin Towers got attacked. Um, and this is the view of what was happening inside a defense contractor while that was going on and the related personalities bouncing around. And those characters all are based on real people. The names are all changed and the locations are skewed, so nobody's really going to go to jail for anything here. But the information that you see in there, anything that comes from the main character, Jocelyn McLaren, is something I either witnessed or participated in or... I just knew it was there. So I thought I had to document it some way. And I didn't. I needed to do it in a way that people would consume it and not feel threatened. And I'd, it makes them laugh. But then they flip the page and they go, oh, my God, did that really happen? Then they Google it or something. Oh, my God. So the whole series, Security Through Absurdity, is like that. You'll get through it and you'll have more information in your mental Rolodex how things are happening in another part of the American culture that a lot of people don't really get to touch. That's awesome. I've I've read three of them. I'm still waiting to get a hold of that fourth one, Rachel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I have it here right here. I have one here for you, Wendy. I was absolutely riveted. It's a great, great series. But let's let's skip on to um, talking about bioethics. What is bioethics? And and, um, you'll still think of that a little bit more. Okay. All right. Bioethics. Now, Ethics, the word ethics, it's a lot like morals. If you go online and look up the word ethics, you'll see morals floating around. Morals, as you know, or a lot of people go to church, they look for the answer for the, what's the right thing to do? Is God going to tell me what's the right thing to do? Or you could go over to a lawyer. A lawyer can tell you, what's the right thing to do via the law? 
And ethics usually has to do with you're in a job or you're in a role, and that role requires you to do the right thing. And a lot of times ethics comes down to a topic that has to do with something medical. Um, So bio means, you know, the health of the body or the planet, life. So you want to, this question of bioethics, is this right for life? So bioethics in technology. So the technology part, you know, everybody knows how now this, everybody's got computers and, you know, you're online, you're doing everything, it's making life easy. It's great. It literally is great because, you know, in the 90s when things were coming up, this was like really exciting. Now it's getting to be a little more like, you know, artificial intelligence is starting to come up. And very famously this year it's coming up. And I would like people to Google or search out, uh, it's called the AI Dilemma. It's on YouTube. Um, That I think was February of this year. Check that out. And that will give an idea why technology is something that we have to be very careful of right now, especially as it intersects with our human bodies and how it functions, how it is literally being powered, how it affects our natural environment. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're going to take a break right here. This is a lot to digest. Um, but yeah, let's, um, we're going to hold this thought and, and we'll come back to it in a second. It's time for our first station break. I'm your host, Wendy Nattery-Fashon, here on the syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. And you're listening to Story Walking Radio Hour. The purpose and mission of the Story Walking Radio Hour is to open minds and foster positive difference making here on planet Earth. You can learn more about Story Walking and find more of our pod- podcasts at storywalking.com. We'll be back in a moment um, to talk more about what is bioethics with Rachel McIntosh, founder of the Foundation for Bioethics and Technology. How can you make a difference on this crazy planet? Listen to nature-inspired stories and interviews with environmental educators for some new ideas. Sustainable Living News writer, nature walker, and youth educator Wendy Natterney Fashon hosts the Story Walking Radio Hour to talk about issues that matter and to introduce you to people who are coming up with creative, sensible solutions. Let's engage with Earth, with spirit, and with one another, heart to heart, to solve problems and co-create more meaningful life stories. Tune in to Nature's Loving Vibes every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. here on the Dream Vision 7 radio network. How can parents help their teenage children navigate the challenging years between childhood and adulthood? How might parents continue to gently exert a positive influence during this critical stage of growth and development? Read The Difference Maker. Written by parent and story-walking radio host, Wendy Natterney Fashan, this book shares the story of her late son, Neil, their relationship, and the wisdom of an enlightened teenager. The Difference Maker is a coming-of-age collection of stories that parents can share and discuss with their kids. Go to the storywalking.com website, download The Difference Maker, and become inspired. Why would God design a heart-shaped flower that cries? 
In a picture book titled The Angel Heart, a curious child picks such a flower and carefully pulls it apart, one poetic petal at a time, to reveal the answer. Discover the miracle of the heart and its role in providing comfort, joy, and peace. Written in the language of love, this uplifting story is sure to open up conversations about emotions, spiritual beliefs, the circle of life, or even fairy magic. Give your favorite child the gift of love. The Angel Heart by Wendy Natterney Fashan. Available through Amazon and Balboa Press. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back to the Story Walking Radio Hour here on the syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. I'm your host, Wendy Natalie Fashon, and we're talking about what is bioethics with Rachel McIntosh, who's established the foundation for bioethics in technology. And we're just talking, uh, we're just talking about bioethics in general and um, starting to get into AI. But before we get too far into AI, I wanted, Rachel, I wanted you to talk a little bit about some of the legislation that you've been involved in. And you, you had been on a, um, on a commission you know, back away, a ways on geoengineering. But now, um, more recently, this past year, you helped introduce the Atmosphere Protection Act of 2023. And I just wanted to see what you could tell us about this effort to address atmospheric pollution. It's you know, definitely a bioethics kind of an issue. But then, you know, maybe talking a little about the challenges you came up, um, you know, when you're getting legislation pack, pat, trying to get it passed, there's a lot of challenges or barriers or um, what is it, issues of conflict that come into play. And so I just thought, you know, if you could talk about that experience a little bit and talk about how you navigate that, how you've been navigating that process. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, mouthful. <laughs> yeah. When I worked for the defense contractor, I was a paid lobbyist. Um, when, when you, anytime you work for a, a, pri- a different company and you work with government, you have to register as a lobbyist, and it costs money to do that. Of course, your company pays for you to do that. So and it, um, now I'm dealing – I'm not a paid lobbyist. I'm just a normal human citizen of – you know, I'm part of the community here. And this is hu- what we should do. Our government here in the United States was written so that normal people could lobby their elected officials to represent them. Um, And of course, as I explained last time, a corporation in the United States is recognized as a person. So when you're trying to work on legislation, I found it (laughs) completely apparent that the more money the person, whether it be a real human person, natural born person, or a corporate person has behind it, the more effective the legislation gets rolled out and approved. As you can imagine, if you've got a lot of money behind you, you can do a lot more to get your message out there. You can get ads in, on television. You can get ads on the Internet. You can place ideas in people's heads. Um, when you're just a normal person meeting with your friends and you come up with something, 
it's harder to spread the word, and that's why I'm really appreciative of you inter- this interview, Wendy. Thank you. Um, the Atmosphere Protection Act um, of 2023, I'd been working on um, since I got appointed to the Rhode Island Geoengineering Study Commission Committee um, back, in, I think, in 2017. Uh, 2018 is really when it kicked off for me like officially, like with letters and everything from the state. Um, and my my purpose on that uh, committee, commission, what was it, committee, was to do a lot of research. I had 10 four-inch binders worth of budgets and laws and research that had to do with everything patents, chemical compositions, things mentioned in the newspapers from the time geoengineering, which we should define what this is. Geoengineering is basically modification of the weather or earth, um, for, for instance, earthquakes. And for the longest time, people are like, this, that's just a conspiracy theory. Like, they can't do that. Still to this day, people don't realize humans can and are modifying the weather. And if this sounds out of, like, whoa, 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 no, this is true. The United States was and is still the breadbasket of the world. And, you know, we've got crops. Most of the U.S., the center of it, was just fields of food. So it was really worth it to know how to make it rain. (laughs) And the U.S. figured that out, how to make it rain. Then we went to Vietnam, the U.S. went to Vietnam, and they said, hey, this is a good thing we could use as a weapon. So other countries thought that was a great idea, too, to make it rain for the crops and also to use as a weapon. And since that time, it's been proliferated all over the planet. And until, I want to say, until Trump got elected, President Trump came in, it had been totally... It was forbidden to talk about this stuff. It was, it was secret. Now, when Trump got elected, all of a sudden it was like, no, let's open it up. Let's make it, let's make it common knowledge. And so that's when the Federal Weather Enterprise, which is a document the U.S. government put out about how it was modifying the weather and who was with the different budgets. And the, there's about 30 different organizations within the, the U.S. government that are involved with their budgets are all interlinked, making this happen. And it's not just Trump before people start going nuts. It, this budget has been in, in circulation, but just in secret, since at least the 1950s, probably maybe even earlier, the 1940s. So, and it's the same sort of idea. doesn't matter who the president is, which party it is. It's still running through what we're doing here in this country. Yeah. So that's how so, I, so that's yeah. so that was my job to pull all this touch together and educate the people, you know, who are elected on that uh committee and tell them that this is a real thing. And like I said at the beginning in 2017-18, excuse me, yeah, 2017-18 Everybody's like, well, now this past um, time in 2023 was the first year people weren't looking at me blankly. They knew it was a real thing, considering um, the year before 
I'd warned them that in Mexico there was going to be an experiment, and it was by a company called Make Sunsets. Make Sunsets, I think they're from Canada, actually. Um, they were so sick of all this geoengineering going on without any rules, laws, or regulations, they intentionally made the sun, while it was setting in Mexico, turn and kind of a turquoise bluish color, very unnatural looking color. And Mexico, Ooh. yeah, Mexico this year made it completely, they just de- declared they do not want any experimental anything done to their environment. So Mexico was the first country to just come flat out and say we're not allowing this sort of geoengineering in Mexico. Now, of course, there's been a international um, treaty that was signed via the UN, and the U.S. didn't sign it. Um, so we continue to do these sorts of experiments. That's how they get away with it. They call it an experiment because of experiment. We're, you know, we're making for the greater good, so the greater knowledge of everybody. But once again, to the bioethics of this, is it really a good idea to be scattering sulfuric acid on people? Yeah, yeah or aluminum. Yeah, or, or aluminum, or barium, or strontium. Or yeah. They yeah, they're spraying yeah. in the sky. So. Yes, yeah. so I want people to realize if you recognize this and you're talking to people that are not believing you or making you feel less than like, oh, you're seeing stuff online, and just realize they don't know yet. You don't have to be angry at them. You know, that's what I see happening is people get really angry, and they want to fight. Don't fight. Think of it as like you're looking at a little baby or you're looking at a little fuzzy, cute little thing. They just don't know it. They're innocent. But you've got to just be kind with people and help them out because once they do know, they will help you. Yeah, but it, it takes a long time. The education is, is quite a process. It is. And and it, I, it all- I, I, went, yeah, I went into one of those meetings and I saw you <laughs> bring in those wagons full of binders. And it's just amazing how much research there is. Yeah. Um, you know, it behind comes, all slow. of it. Yeah, it's slow. It's slow. But yeah. once it starts, it's like hitting that first little baby domino. Everybody's seen this the little domino. It goes up to the bigger, 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 and then it just falls over. And then it will fall mm-hmm. over quickly. But yeah. the, just the best thing you can do is just uh, as much as you can. When, like I said, the corporations have the ability to get their messaging out far and wide. This 5G messaging, everybody thinks this is the best thing that ever happened um, because of the advertising. 5G is just right. a brand name. It's a brand name. And fifth generation, right? It's it's marketing, and everybody and all the things that people are getting through this, it's it's been it is fantastic. It's wonderful. However, what's it doing to our bodies? I think we're at like a situation where, like you brought up, smoking. People used Mm -hmm. to smoke on airplanes. They'd smoke around babies. Now you can't even smoke within so many feet of a front door of an office building because people finally got in their head that this really isn't healthy and other people really don't need it or want it, and it became just normal. And I believe this is what's going to happen with the cell phones, with the cell towers, with people don't realize. 
realize the amount of toxicity that's being pumped out, especially in America. We've got literally billions of times more um, microwave radiation exposure than anywhere else on the planet, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I almost see this like playing out the way it with, with does, you know, did with Zapatco. I can imagine people going into a restaurant and saying, do you have a, a non-cell phone area that can sit in? <laughs> because people don't want to sit next to a phone that's radiating EMFs, right? And then from there, it'll just, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll grow from there. So that's or kind of what, a, what I yeah, see or even, a, or even a sign, like as you walk into like say, I'm just say a company like, Staples or the Mac store or something like that. Um, the I, you know, there'll be a sign on the door that says this location. You know, it's, it reads out what the level is at. Ah, so that okay. You would know, so you would know what you're walking into before you walk in the door. What you're yeah, being like, exposed to. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, that would be that would be. It's what you call informed consent, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, you there make is your no decision whether you're right going to go in or not, you know, yeah. but at least you know what you're walking into. Right. And I think that's, that we need, we need yeah, more con- of that. Yeah, considering that 5G itself was created to be just within a closed area, a small, like, closed, like, maybe an office, or maybe, it wasn't supposed to be beamed out over sidewalks or beamed out over a mall or beamed out over, but... Through, via satellites onto Earth. It wasn't designed specifically for that. But then when they saw what it could do, they're like, yeah, let's make this happen everywhere. So, um, yeah, it does affect people. It does affect people, and some people more so than others. Just like no human body oh, yeah. is, you know, you know, you know, Wendy, everybody yeah. is affected differently. Has different sensitivities mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Yeah, different yeah. Levels, levels of tolerance and, exactly. and all of that. Yeah. Right, right. So um, we're, gonna, we're coming up to another station break, Rachel, and, and listeners, and um, I want, you know, I think what I want to do is um, move on and let's talk a little bit about your foundation and all the different activities and things you have going on there. We're going to come back and talk about that after this station break, okay? You so, got it. Yeah, listeners, thank you for joining us here on the Star Walking Radio Hour. Please help us grow our community of listeners and difference makers so we can work together to build a better world. All of the Storywalking podcasts are free online. Go to the storywalking.com website to learn more. You can also follow us on our Facebook page. Join our group, the Storywalking Radio Hour Facebook group. I'm your host, Wendy Narnie-Fashon, and we're talking about bioethics with Rachel McIntosh, founder of the Foundation for Bioethics and Technology, and our conversation will continue after this station break. Can you make a difference on this crazy planet? Listen to nature-inspired stories and interviews with environmental educators for some new ideas. Sustainable Living News writer, nature walker, and youth educator Wendy Natterney Fashon hosts the Story Walking Radio Hour to talk about issues that matter and to introduce you to people who are coming up with creative, sensible solutions. Let's engage with Earth, with spirit, and with one another heart-to-heart to to solve problems and co-create more meaningful life stories. Tune in to Nature's Loving Vibes every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. here on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network.
Delight your kids with an enchanting journey by reading the Paper Doll Kids Children's Book by Deborah Beauvais and Janine Sullivan. There's even a catchy tune, Kids for Love Song, produced by Bob Sherwood and sung by kids just like yours. The story weaves around seven paper dolls flying around the world doing good deeds as they bring important attention to our endangered animal friends. There's even a magical ring with a universal message. Kids become interested in service projects, action through compassion, and planting seeds that nurture positive change. The Paper Doll Kids and Kids for Love Song are a production of the Kids for Love Project. Get the book now on Amazon Kindle and the song on CD Baby or iTunes. High school student Neil Fashan dreamed of leading other young people away from hopelessness to helpfulness, from loneliness to friendship, and from inertia to difference making. Then, in college, he was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. After Neil died at age 20, his mother, Wendy, began to sort through the memorabilia he'd accumulated over the years. Artwork, notebooks, journals, personal notes and letters. She's assembled these memories into a timely ebook called The Difference Maker. Parents and teens will appreciate this collection of stories about kindness, resilience, faith and love. Go to thestorywalking.com website, download The Difference Maker and become inspired. Edesia is a U.S. nonprofit dedicated to the dream of ending childhood malnutrition for millions of children around the world. Through the manufacture of Plumpy Nut and other nutrient-rich, peanut-based, ready-to-use foods, Edesia has already delivered life and hope to nearly 1 million children in over 26 developing countries. To find out how you can join Edesia's dream of ending childhood malnutrition, please visit ediciaglobal.org. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. We're back with the Story Walking Radio Hour here on the syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. I'm your host, Wendy Natalie Fashon, and we're exploring what is bioethics to sort of arrive at some more greater awareness and understanding. And we're speaking with Rachel McIntosh, who's the founder of the Foundation for Bioethics in Technology. So, Rachel, we're going to talk a little bit more about your foundation. Um, but first, I know we wanted to talk, we've been talking about in the, in the last segment about Mexico. And I want you to talk a little bit about what's been going on in Chile. And then right we'll on. move on yes. from there. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Chile is really important. The, this uh, country, they've put together, they've been studying this for quite a while, and um, they have something called the Neural Rights Foundation. And it's worked with the Senate of the Republic of Chile, the Minister of Science there, and the Catholic University there. And they pioneered the Neural neuroprotection agenda and on August 9th of this year 2023 they had a landmark ruling in their Chile Superior Court the Supreme Court has upheld neural rights by ordering neurotech company emotive to delete all brain data collected from a former senator there Um, now this is important brain data Everything that's going on right now, currently, we're in December of 2023, 
um, we're in a giant shift, and it's kind of most people feel this because of the economy, and because of different things on the news they're telling us. You know, but the shift is happening because of how businesses, these corporate persons we just talked about, are beginning to move, and it's going. It's moving away from just the U.S. dollar to data. Data is the new type of exchange unit between enormous, enormous um, financial organizations, other, otherwise corporations, um, and countries. U.S. is a corporation, and these different countries all have data. And this data is important because it powers the technology of the artificial intelligence every country is buying for to have the best artificial intelligence. Now, this thing that Chile is doing is very, very important because this brain data, um, this is hugely important because of how the citizens in each country operate. Um, uh, We can go on and on, but the very, like I said, the very first meeting we had for the Foundation of Bioethics and Technology had to do with the AI dilemma. And if you go and search for that one-hour talk, you'll see how that has to do with social media, and then it pumps it up a notch. Um, what I'm talking about is more about commerce. And, of course, the U.S. Department of Commerce right now is headed up by former Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo. And... She is focused on, I've been watching how the back and forth is going with China um, because their artificial intelligence and our artificial intelligence, they still don't know what language artificial, intel- primary language artificial intelligence will be um, written in. Of course, it will probably be in English because the English technology is what brought it up in the first place. But the ethics between these two countries are different. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's why Chile is important if people want to look into what they've done with their ruling on the neurotech stuff. The other yeah, we can thing provide a happened, link. Yeah, I'll provide that a link. Information. Well, the so more, people who want to find out more. Yeah. yeah. The more local yeah. stuff that we have here is that our um, FTC banned Right Aid, the pharmacy, from using AI facial recognition for five years because they found out, they, they ruled that um, Rite Aid has not been using that information uh, properly. They're using it, and it's harming customers. Interesting. So that, that's, why, that's why we have bioethics and technology. That's why I started our foundation, because I, I saw this was going to start cropping up more regularly um, for the normal person. So that's this Rite Aid pharmacy chain thing is more and people's it's more understandable because it's in their everyday lives. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely unsettling a lot of this. And we don't mean to unsettle listeners. <laughs> it's just No, that's true. Lot, that's very true. Yeah, so no, there's a lot why, going on and, and awareness is awareness is where you find you get your strength and where you get empowered. Um, so I think that's the important thing to say. And so you know, with that, you know, empowerment, awareness, um, let's move on and talk about your foundation. You know all the activities that you're, you you've sort of got going on. 
Um, so people are interested in, in participating in, you know, with the different ways they can participate, the different ways they can start to learn more. And it's really, I've been to um, one of Rachel's, a couple of her meetings, and they're really fun, actually. Um, it's just, it's fascinating. It's really, really interesting. So, Rachel, tell us more about your various activities and what you've got going on. All right. Well, what we've got going on for the general population, once a month we have a meeting at the Warwick Public Library in Warwick, Rhode Island, and this will there's it, there's infrastructure stuff going on this year with our website so that we can do this all, you know, via Zoom or whatever. Um, but we have public meetings for the public. Then we have education. Uh, we're going to have a high school program coming up. We're going to have high school kids with meters, and they're going to be researching what this electromagnetic microwave radiation is. And they'll be taking readings and how cell phones work, and this will be interesting for the high school kids. Next thing we do is we do trends monitoring. This is you, you, The general public doesn't have to do this, but it comes up at our meetings. Um, we do trends monitoring about what the government's into, what industry's into, what might bump into our bodies or the planet and be problematic. And then we also have a helpline. This year I had two different people call me in my state of Rhode Island um, to say, what do I do? They just put up a cell phone tower in my yard, literally in their yards, literally in their yard. And they didn't know what to do. So that's when I met with them. And we, the, the real people, not some organization, not ALEC or some legislation writing organization, me and these people wrote a piece of legislation. And so I helped them and we're working, these people who approached me are working with their legislators to get this piece of legislation passed into law to help protect somebody from getting a cell phone tower <laughs> built in their yard. Um, then we, so that's the helpline. People can call the helpline. We're going to have podcasts this year. In fact, today when I get off of this interview with you, I'm talking to two other people, um, and we'll be doing a podcast. The first one is going to be about multiple sclerosis because MS um, is affected very easily by different types of um, microwave, electromagnetic microwave radiation, um, and we're going to have a podcast about the different things people with MS have to deal with in general. And, you know, it's kind of be a fun thing. One of the people on the podcast is out in California. Another one's here in Rhode Island. Um, and we, once again, want to keep this kind of upbeat for people so it's not like, oh, my God. But just to keep the conversation going, there will be other different podcasts of that ilk how the human body is interacting with, you know, somebody with cancer, somebody with, you know, whatever. Then we're going to have different podcasts on that sort of stuff. Um, we're going to have movie nights. So because everybody, when we went to that AI Dilemma, our first mi meeting for the foundation at the library, everybody's like, oh, my God, this is like Terminator. So we're going to watch different movies, and we're going to talk about how that has helped shape people's perception of different types of technology. Um, and... In general, we just want to have fun. So, but we do want to keep this human. We don't want artificial intelligence writing the laws for us. We want to be the ones writing the laws because we're lucky in the U.S. We're very lucky in the U.S. that we have our system of government set up the way it is. Other parts of the world, it's not like this. 
So we are very, very happy to be here in the United States. We're able to play this sort of vital role. But it, but it takes a lot of people to get involved and do it, right? I mean, it's, mm, not uh, really, to tell you the truth. No? No. Um, you just need people that are dedicated because it takes time. Okay. And it takes okay. – um, the, the, the getting a lot of people involved part, that's where – that's the awareness part. But the making it a law part is more of a dedicated thing. It's more okay. of a laser beam. The other stuff yep. is – that's – that's impo- that's very important, you know. But the the you know the marching around holding signs, that's more to get other people to know that it actually exists. It right. doesn't mean they they're educated on why you're doing anything. Like you know, save the whales or you know, no GMO. No, you know, people are like okay, what does that actually mean? But then when you get the people doing the legislation, you get people who are very very focused on even one word can make a difference. So oh, that's what that's. Yeah that's where the foundation comes in. We're the bridge between the people who are just becoming aware and the people who are very, very focused. And the corporations are super, they're laser beam focused. They know what they want. So our foundation for bioethics and technology is the bridge that helps people understand not only what's going on in the world around them, but what, what might be going on inside of them. So that's why it's so important. And I think it's, I find it extremely gratifying to help people and to know why things are going the way they are. Yeah. Hey, Rachel, we've got just um, like one more minute. I'm wondering if you could talk a little about, you've got um, two meetings coming up January and February at the um, Warwick Library. And if you could just um, briefly describe the dates, the times, and the the topics. Huh. All right. Um, the dates. All right, the first topic. Or where topic, can they find them on your website? Yeah. Yeah, they can find them on the website. But um, the first topic they're is They're Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, they're always on a Saturday. They're always going to be in the, uh, they have something called the Idea Lab. And they're always, that's the first room as you walk into the library. That first January is going to be, uh, hold on, I'm going to pull it up right here. I've got the website rolling a lot of people involved in all this here. So our first And the website one, is um, bioethics.tech, T-E-C-H, everyone. So yeah. and we will have that link um, for you on the podcast page along with a couple of other links for you to um, delve into if you're interested. Yes, yes. So the first one in January coming up for everybody listening is on the 13th. It's a Saturday. It's 1 o'clock. The website says 1 to 2, but typically it rolls over to 3 or 3.30, and we're going to be talking about space. What's going on in space that's affecting us, uh, our bodies, through technology? And that has to do with the satellites that are being shot up all over the place. We'll be talking about SpaceX. We'll be talking about uh, different mining operations out in space and the legal stuff that has to do with that. And then the next one after that, I believe, is... What's the next one? The 10th or the 17th of February. Uh, let's and I know that one's about going to be about AI. Yes. Um, all right. So we're back yeah. to that. Um, but we'll, we'll have that up on the... Yeah, we'll have it all up. We've got to wrap it up here. Yeah, wrap it up. I invite people to go to the website, bioethics.tech, B-I-O-E-T-H-I-C-S dot T-E-C-H, 
scroll through that, and you can get a gist of what's going on. If you feel overwhelmed when you look at this thing, just know you got me and other humans behind it. We want to talk to you. We want to know what you've got on your mind. If you can get to the library, show up. If not, just go to the Contact Us part. Send me an email, and I'd love to hear from you. Great. So thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us today. This has been absolutely fascinating. Um, so we're going to conclude here. And um, people, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends and family. Help us grow our community of listeners and difference makers so we can work together to build a better world. All of our Story Walking podcasts are free online, as this one will be. And you can go to storywalking.com website and learn more there. We air on the syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen online or on your mobile device anywhere, anytime, while you're out walking or gardening or inside making dinner, um, whatever. And I'd, I'd like to you know, just sort of wrap this up now and say thank you for joining us here today on the Story Walking Radio Hour. I'm your host, Wendy Nary Fashon, with guest Rachel McIntosh. And we wish you all the very best as we continue forward with our stories. We've got some pretty exciting times ahead, and um, I know it's going to be really interesting. So stay tuned. Once again, the Story Walking Radio Hour has covered a lot of ground. Please join Wendy Natterney Fashon next time for a new edition of the Story Walking Radio Hour. This show airs every Monday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Listen live on DreamVision7Radio.com, where you can also access archives of previous Story Walking Radio Hour episodes. Find them under the Sustainable Living section and visit the storywalking.com website where you can contact Wendy to learn more about the practice of storywalking. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.